RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Andrew Shirovsky. The headlines. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has suspended planned universal testing for COVID-19. Hong Kong is to lift its flight ban on flights from nine countries. And the authorities have defended the testing of sewage to detect invisible COVID cases. Chief Executive Carrie Lam has suspended the compulsory citywide testing scheme that was previously announced and said social distancing measures will be relaxed in three phases starting April the 21st, provided that infection numbers do not rebound. She was asked at her daily COVID briefing if Hong Kong is moving away from the zero COVID policy. To come up with a more permanent pathway for Hong Kong to tackle any public health crisis in a more targeted manner, that will, other than the overriding mission of protecting the safety and health of the Hong Kong people, and also basing on evidence, we should also take into account the impact on the social and economic development. So right now, I would advise that you need not draw any conclusion of what we are heading towards in the announcement that we have made today. Mrs. Lam also said she's lifting flight bans for nine countries, including Britain and the United States, starting the 1st of April. Mrs. Lam said during the first phase of flight resumption, Hong Kong residents who've been jabbed twice and have a negative test result will be able to fly in. They can leave their quarantine hotel on the seventh day at the earliest if their PCR tests on the fifth day and the rapid tests on the sixth and seventh day all show negative results. The vice chairman of the International Chamber of Commerce, George Cotterley, says any quarantine or home isolation requirement would be turnoffs for business travelers. You need to open the border to people who have been fully vaccinated, maybe triple vaccinated, but don't require them to test because I think people just won't take the risk of having their staff stranded here in the middle of a business trip because they tested positive. Environment Secretary Wong Kam Singh has defended the government's method of locating hidden COVID cases by testing sewage samples from buildings. Former hospital authority chief Leung Pak Yin had called the tactic a waste of resources, saying confirmed patients isolating at home would also excrete the virus. But speaking on an RTHK show, Mr. Wong said officials would only lock down buildings with the highest risk. We won't just check if the sewage samples test positive or negative. We will also look at the virus concentration. According to our experience, the concentration from recovered patients who've returned home is relatively low. When we consider whether to lock down high-risk buildings, we will also see if they have residents who recently tested positive through rapid tests. We won't double count. So when sewage samples have a high virus concentration, we're not just looking at patients we already know about. This is an effective way of finding invisible patients living in high-risk buildings. Welfare Secretary Law Chi Kong has conceded that anti-epidemic efforts in care homes have failed to keep up with the COVID outbreak. Francis Sit with the story. Lo Chi Kong was responding to government adviser Yoon Kwok Yong, who called care homes the weakest link in Hong Kong's fight against COVID-19. The microbiologist said there hasn't been enough monitoring from the social welfare department to make sure care homes implement various anti-COVID measures. Mr. Law noted that authorities have been supporting care homes in the fight against the disease after Professor Yoon listed ways to suppress COVID in 2020. The minister added officials are trying their best to catch up. A tax partner of KPMG China says the government's latest pandemic wage support is both effective and affordable. 
but doesn't help businesses that have already closed down. Stanley Ho is commenting on the government's employment support scheme. For, the, for those that already closed down, I think the, uh, these schemes may not be helpful. Uh, and I think the government uh, needs to do, um, uh, give another other sort of incentive, for example, uh, so, uh, the support for their startups uh, to, to bring the business alive again. And I think going more uh, in a more medium and long term is how to uh, bring open up the, um, the, the border so that uh, to facilitate the international business. The mainland has recorded 1,947 new COVID infections. That's 291 more than the previous day's tally. More than 1,500 of the cases were found in Jilin province. Guangdong saw 38 new COVID infections, most of them coming from Shenzhen, which reported 33 cases. There were 2,384 asymptomatic cases. Overseas now, the Ukrainian government has rejected a Russian demand to surrender the besieged southern city of Mariupol. The De- Deputy Prime Minister, Irina Vereshuk, said there could be no question of soldiers laying down their arms. Russia has offered to give fighters safe passage out of Mariupol if they gave up their weapons, along with civilians who wish to leave. An advisor to the mayor of Mariupol, Pyotr Andrushenko, says Russia's promises cannot be trusted. We know there is a situation with the Russian government. When uh, they say about humanitarian corridors, they really force evacuate our people for Russia. So our city is fight with Russia. And we will fight for last our soldiers, I think, because what we can, we can just fight. The BBC's Lise Doucette reports on the situation in Mariupol. This is the kind of defiance that we have seen in town and city after another, both the effective resistance being put up by the military forces, but also the resistance being put up by civilians in the towns which were first taken over by the Russians, Melitopol, Kherson. The mayors refused to give up. This threat that is being given to Mariupol now shows you what it means to starve a city into submission. Steve McAndrew of the Red Cross in Lviv said the organization was doing all it could to reach the, reach the people in Mariupol. The latest we've heard is that there's around 350,000 people kind of trapped in there. And the Red Cross, my colleagues in the International Committee of the Red Cross are working there with the Ukraine Red Cross. They're getting in when they can as possible, but it's very, very difficult for access. It's an intense situation. So if they can get with the Red Cross, they can be safe with us. They just have to get to us, but we need to get to them. The United Nations Refugee Agency says that 10 million Ukrainians have now fled their homes because of the war, almost a quarter of the population. Nearly three and a half million people have left the country. A spokesman compared the scale of the crisis to that seen in Syria, noting that the Syrian displacement happened over a longer period. Jan Egelund is the Secretary General of the Norwegian Refugee Council. We're only beginning to grasp the extent of this catastrophe in Europe. I mean, we we have to go back to the Second World War to have anything comparable. And and I don't think even at that time you would see that more than three million people were displaced per week. I mean, it's, it's three and a half weeks since this started. And now 10 million people have had to flee their homes. In his latest appeal for help from abroad, President Volodymyr Zelensky has urged Israel to provide Ukraine with its Iron Dome missile defense system. In a video address to the Israeli parliament, 
Mr. Zelensky, who is Jewish, compared the actions of Russia to those of Nazi Germany. Israel has provided humanitarian aid and has been trying to mediate in the conflict. A former member of the Israeli parliament, Senyak Svetloba, said Israel's stance was unlikely to change as a result of today's speech. It will not make a difference. Unfortunately, not in the Israeli official policy towards uh, the war in Ukraine. There will be no weapon sales, there will be no sanctions, at least not for now, and there will be not even more quota for the refugees. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis have attended the funeral procession of the ultra-Orthodox rabbi Chaim Kanievsky, who died on Friday at the age of 94. The Israeli Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, called him a giant of his generation. This report from the BBC's Sebastian Usher. Since early morning, the kilometre or so from the house of Rabbi Kanievsky to the cemetery in the city of Bnei Barak has been packed with mourners who've come from around the country to honour a man they revered as a preeminent spiritual authority. Central Israel has all but been brought to a standstill as police have been mobilised to prevent accidents caused by overcrowding. During his long life, a rabbi's views steeped in Jewish religious law had a huge influence on hundreds of thousands of Israelis belonging to the Haredim community that has its roots in Eastern Europe. A United Nations delegation is beginning an assessment of the state of the world's largest coral reef off the western coast of Australia. The UN last year recommended the Great Barrier Reef be added to the World Heritage Committee's endangered list because of the damage caused by climate change. The Australian government lobbied against such a move. The BBC's Phil Mercer explains. The United Nations mission will assess the impact of climate change on the Great Barrier Reef. The Australian government has insisted it's the best managed reef in the world and that multi-million dollar programs are boosting its resilience. However, the authority that administers one of Australia's greatest natural treasures has reported widespread bleaching in its central and northern regions. Reefs can recover from bleaching, but it can take years. If water temperatures don't return to normal, the coral can die. Descendants of South Africa's earliest inhabitants have welcomed a court ruling halting the construction of the tech giant Amazon's new Africa headquarters on land they consider sacred. More from the BBC's Mary Harper. The judge ruled that the culture and heritage of the Khoi and San peoples were under threat. Patricia Goliath said there had to be a proper consultation before the project could go ahead. Amazon planned to build a site in Cape Town where two rivers meet. The Khoi and San say this is the spot where Dutch settlers first stole their land hundreds of years ago. A community leader said the area should be designated a World Heritage Site, not a tech giant headquarters built with 150,000 tons of concrete. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 21,390. That's 22 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $83 billion. In currency, one U.S. dollar will buy you 119.18 yen. The euro is standing at uh, one U.S. dollar and 10 cents, and the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 29 cents. To sport and in tennis, Taylor Fritz has stunned Rafael Nadal 6-3-7-6 to win the ATP Indian Wells Masters and end the 21-time Grand Slam champion's perfect 20-0 run to start 2022. The 24-year-old American, ranked 20th in the world, claimed his second career title and his first at the Elite Masters 1,000 level, while denying Nadal a record equaling 37th Masters crown. Fritz was overjoyed with the win.
I mean, this is just one of those those childhood dreams, like winning this tournament, especially Indian Wells. Like, this is one of those childhood dreams that you just never even think could come true. So it's, I just can't even. I just keep saying no, no, just no way. It's real. Poland's Iga Świątek won the women's title by beating Maria Sakari 6-4, 6-1. It's a fifth career title for Świątek. The former French Open champion moves up to second in the world rankings behind Ashley Barty. Sakari will rise to third. In football, Barcelona stunned Real Madrid 4-0 in football's El Clasico. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored twice at the Bernabeu. And Ronald Arujo and Ferran Torres were also on target. The result is a sign of progress for Barca under Xavi. They moved up to third in La Liga, three points behind Sevilla. Real Madrid topped the table by nine points. In France, uh, leaders Paris Saint-Germain were beaten 3-0 by Monaco, their fourth loss in six games. The English Premier League leaders, Manchester City, will face their closest challengers, Liverpool, in the semifinals of the FA Cup. City beat Southampton 4-1. Liverpool were 1-0 winners at Nottingham Forest. City midfielder Kevin De Bruyne says they're focused on securing a trophy this season. Well, we want to win every competition we, we enter, but you know we've, we've been a couple of times uh, in the semifinals and we, we lost that once, so uh, we're very happy and privileged that we can go, go again and hopefully we'll win this time. Crystal Palace were 4-0 winners over struggling Everton and will face Chelsea in the other semi-final. Palace boss Patrick Vieira says his focus is on progress, not the trophy. I don't think about it at all because we just went one step forward. There's still uh, a lot to do, so we want to enjoy the day because it's um, a really good achievement for, for the football club. The f- players deserve a lot of credit because today they played well and they played as a, as a team. It is a really good day for the football club. Sun Hyung Min scored twice as Tottenham overcame West Ham 3-1 to close in on the Premier League's top four. Spurs boss Antonio Conte believes a place in the Champions League is a realistic target. Uh, we have this ambition, uh, the ambition to try to, to stay in, uh, uh, in the race for the fourth place. Before uh, my arrival, this target uh, it seems very difficult to reach. But now, and I think after uh, five, five months that we are working, we know, we know that uh, in every game now, we are ready to fight, to fight and to try to get three points. And taking a look at the weather, mainly cloudy with one or two showers, coastal fog in the morning and at night, sunny intervals during the day. The maximum temperature will be around 26 degrees, moderate east southeasterly winds. The outlook calls for occasional showers in the next few days, foggy on Tuesday, and it will be rather warm. Showers will be more frequent at times from Tuesday night to Wednesday, and there will be isolated thunderstorms at first becoming cooler on Wednesday. It'll be windy later this week. Current temperature is 24 degrees Celsius, relative humidity 83%. And that's the news from RTHK.
afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me Sadia Usmani. I hope you've had a super weekend. On the show today after 1.30 a new feature called My Story where my invited guest tells me about their ambitions, challenges and goals. Today my guest is Vince Su, the founder and CEO at Press Start Academy, a Hong Kong based education startup that encourages learning through play and games. And after two o'clock, my guest on lockdown is Elise Wong, a young entrepreneur who is ready to pack a suitcase with her favorite book, movie, food, piece of music and one other item. And then just after 2.30, I talk to Oscar Kervais, co-editor of Dear Hong Kong, a photo book that features the people from different countries who've made Hong Kong their home. And Dear Hong Kong is currently running a series of workshops at the Hong Kong International Young Readers Festival, which takes place now up until about the 25th of March. 